What's going on, folks? Another episode of Rosenballs heading into the weekend. I want to talk about a larger topic here. The fallacy of the treadmill, right? So, I was one of those guys uh, who believed there was probably two clear ways to uh, to build an NBA contender. Uh, one, and, and they're pretty much opposite ways, depending on, you know, where you're from, what team you are, etc., etc., right? One one clean way is through the draft, right? And it's basically tanking, tanking, tanking um, until you, you start getting some young assets. And then you slowly mature the young assets and you build the right veterans in place, mature those assets, uh, and then eventually make a run, right? And the, the clearest example of this in recent memory uh, is actually the OKC Thunder of years ago, right? This is the 2009, 2010-ish Thunder, right? You had the team basically tanks overnight. They, they decide to trade uh, Ray Allen draft night to Boston in 2008. They get the fifth pick. They get Jeff Green, okay? They have a, a bad season. Uh, they end up with... Um, oh, sorry, that was back-to-back. I apologize. They have a bad season. They have Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's hurt. They trade Ray Allen to Boston. They get Jeff Green. Now they have KD Jeff Green. The following draft, they get Russell Westbrook. Then they start building. Then the, the next couple drafts, you know, Stephen Adams, Reggie Jackson, James Harden, right? And all of a sudden, now you have this young core over the course of, let's say, three or four drafts that, that's a contender, okay? Um, and, and other teams are trying to replicate this route, okay? Namely, obviously, Philly. We all know the hinky stuff. We don't have to rehash. But one of the difficulties of the strategy is you really have to hit in the draft, right? So it's quite rare for a team to kind of, for lack of a better term, have the luck that OKC did, right? I mean, look at 07, 08, 2009, 2010. In four years, in a four-year span, they basically get KD, um, Russell Westbrook, and Harden. They get three MVPs in a four-year span. That is unheard of in NBA draft history, to get three MVPs in a four-year span. So while it's ambitious, it, it's quite difficult to achieve. Um, so that's one sort of concern going in, or, or shall I say, you know, tough nugget uh, to do. The other teams that have done it, right, um, have just hit on a superstar talent in the draft, right? So if there is a superstar talent going out and then you take new hit on that talent, great. So this happened with Cleveland, obviously with LeBron, Denver with Melo. They were able to turn around those franchises quite quickly given where they hit in the draft, right? Um, and then look at the Philly scenario, right? Like Hinky, I don't think was perfect in the draft, but, you know, more or less, was the average better than average? It's a good question, right? So in a, in a four-year span... He gets Simmons and Bede, so he gets basically two guys who are all-stars, uh, one of which was an MVP candidate, and then kind of airballs the next two, right? So Jaleel Okafor, that's an airball. You don't get rotational talent. Uh, Sarich or whatever, they end up losing him for, for not much or nothing. Michael Carter-Williams was Rookie of the Year, but now he's out of the league. He's not a full-time piece. So in a span of, let's say, five years, you get two all-stars, right? And that's probably a more likely scenario, which, as we've seen, even if you exhaust those assets and you try to work it out, 
I'm not saying the Philly situation uh, is the same as others, but like you basically are getting a second round team. Okay. Could the team have made the conference finals? Probably should have. So maybe you're getting a second round slash conference finals team. And again, like I don't know if you know if that route's so typical. And and that also requires five or six years of being really bad. And we're seeing now OKC going through that exact play. Um, and they have yet to, I would say, really, really hit, right? Now, OKC is a good example because with the new lottery odds, it's harder to get top picks. So they haven't, you know, been bad. It's not like they haven't been bad enough. They have. They have been quite bad. Um, they just haven't gotten lucky, which is part of this process. Is luck goes one way or the other with it, right? So you could be unlucky and, and get Josh Giddy or what have you. Now, look, OKC still has built some talent. We're still not sure where they're going to go. But this is already, let's say, it's been since the bubble, basically. So this is the third year. Maybe even, it's only the second year, honestly, the second full year of them being really, really bad. Let's see where this looks in a couple more years. We have a ways away. But there's been other teams that, you know, just by not luck of their own, just have been really bad. And even though they're getting talent in the draft, it hasn't really come to anything, namely the Kings and the Wolves, right? So you just have these teams that are on these just bad treadmills where they're actually trying to be good. They get into the lottery. And then the question is, well, have they become been bad enough is, is the thing, right? And that strategy of just, like, tanking, it's different. There's a nuance difference between what, let's say, Chicago did a couple years ago, Minnesota, Sacramento, where Minnesota, Sacramento, and the Bulls and a few others, they've actually tried to win. They haven't tried to be real bad. So you can make an argument they haven't really tanked. On the flip is, in order to do it well, you have to be really bad. You have to be literally, like, the worst team in the league. Um, And that's a hard thing to stomach. So that's the tanking scenario. I would say the other team that's kind of doing it now, whether on purpose or not, is Houston. Okay, so Houston uh, right now actually does look to have an interesting core, uh, and they airballed their veteran asset as well in the process, right? So um, there's a lot of a lot at stake there. But there's another strategy. There's a strategy that teams have done in the '90s, which is basically um, kind of builds up through veterans. Okay go that route, uh, build kind of a core, kind of a chemistry, and then hope things break right your way and you can kind of sneak in. All right, so I'll tell you the teams that have tried this and kind of where has it gone and whether it's been helpful or not, right? So um, in the 90s, you saw this quite a bit. Um, I'm going to go through a couple of teams. The Atlanta Hawks is an interesting one, right? So um, the Atlanta Hawks were able to get like um, players who they were able to sign or trade for players who were, you know, behind certain other talents, which is why they didn't get um, a lot of accolades. So good examples like Mookie Blaylock, uh, you know, in Atlanta. So Atlanta gets Mookie Blaylock. Uh, they capture him, right? Uh, obviously, they have Dominic Wilkins. They're trying to field a winner with him. He leaves. They kind of flip that for Danny Manning, so they're a little good for a little while longer. They flip that again. They got other pieces, which are other pieces which I'm turning into, like a Steve Smith. Um, so they have like a Steve Smith, Mookie Blaylock, Ogmont. A lot of guys are like pseudo All-Stars. If they make the All-Star team, they're like 13th through 15th men on the All-Star team. They're always part of that, like, will they or won't they make it? 
Um, and then they sign Matumbo. They take a risk there. And, you know, they end up building this kind of 4-5 seed that's 4-5 in perpetuity. Make the second round a lot of lose. Okay. And they do that for a while and nothing really breaks for them. And the reason why things don't break for them is because they're stuck in the Jordan era Bulls years, right? And you saw this with a lot of those teams in the 90s in particular. Uh, and then you saw it in the East as well with Cleveland and LeBron, right? Where Indiana, again, is trying to break through. Other teams are trying to break through. Boston. But they can't this route with the treadmill route um, because there's a LeBron there. So flash forward to now. Now you are seeing what I like to call a couple of treadmill teams. Our teams look like they could be a treadmill. They have a mix of veterans and youth maybe. But they, they haven't tanked. They're kind of flirting with the playoffs or flirting with being uh, an 8th through 10th. You know, do a couple of moves here and there and then emerge. Uh, and then become a potential contender. So right now in the East, the best example of a treadmill team that seems like they're doing something right is Chicago. Chicago, four years in a row, got the seventh pick in the draft. That's not necessarily a treadmill that's closer to being bad. They weren't bad enough. Um, they never got lucky in the draft. They didn't really hit too well on any of those picks, just for reference. We're talking about those picks becoming Laurie Markkinen, Wendell Carter Jr., uh, Kobe White. Um, so not really setting the world on fire uh, with any of those selections. Um, and, then, and then doing some hard pivots, okay? And going for, I would say, other teams that want to rebuild, taking some win-now vets across the league, and kind of this mishmash team that is atop the East as of today, Friday. Right? I mean, and then signing guys, you know, being kind of clever about it. So the treadmill team's breaking the right way. That's Chicago. Treadmill team breaking the right way. Let's see how these other teams do. Indiana's a treadmill team right now. Kind of in the mix. Miami, sort of. Let's see if they break the right way as well. Miami's actually top of the East, but Chicago's a threat. Um, in the West, Phoenix treadmill team, Utah treadmill team. Could it break the right way? So now is a new strategy instead of tanking kind of like get the talent when you can get him, regardless of who you are. You have a chance at, at getting talent for, for relatively cheap. Go for it. If it can make sense in your roster, don't try to tank and and, and just see if you could do talent uh, acclimation and get guys who are misvalued and, and, and cheap, right? Can that field a contender, right? Who are the teams now that can lean a lesson from Chicago and, and flip it quickly? It doesn't make sense for those teams to do so. This is all sort of what's going around the league and, and sort of the thinking that teams need to think about, right? So I'll, I'll say a couple things on it, right? First, I do think it depends. It's less about whether you tank or treadmill. I worry about, like, what's happening around you in the league, okay? So right now, the NBA is wide open. There's no clear contender in the West. And with Kyrie's situation, there's no real contender in the East, Milwaukee just won. Things kind of broke right for them. Um, same thing for Phoenix, who represented the, the West of the Finals. It seems pretty wide open, right? Everyone kind of seems beatable. The Lakers have an older LeBron. No one's really taking the torch, and there's no super team right now. There's no, like, crazy Golden State. Now, Golden State's playing well, but, again, beatable, right? Cleveland almost beat them last night. No one's blowing the doors off. There's no Kevin Durant Golden State team. Uh, the Brooklyn team, which was supposed to be that, isn't that because of the Kyrie situation? There's no 90s Bulls. 
there's an opening. There's an opening. So because there's an opening, you know, and again, those openings don't last long. If you're a treadmill team, you should take advantage. And because it's wide open, like, if you have a better than 0% chance to make the finals or even just go deeper into your bag, go for it, right? And that's the case for the next couple of years. Like, there, there doesn't even seem to be, I'd say, um, a team that even looks like they're going to get there in terms of being this unstoppable force, right? Like, the pieces aren't in motion anywhere. The closest, I would say, is Golden State. But there's a lot of ifs there. Because, yeah, if Moody and Kuzminga, the rookies, like next year, let's say they have a killer, you know, they don't do all well this year, fine, they're rookies, I get it. But they have a decent summer league, and they're like decent pieces. Then that team could really emerge, because they're already one of the best teams in the West without those two pieces doing anything. Or if they move those pieces, they get a veteran that's going to be good. Goldstein's got a shot. But I, I still wouldn't call them like this crazy unbeatable team. Even there, they still seem very beatable, right? Um, another good example is maybe the Clippers, okay? If Kawhi's healthy, but again, even then, even if they have Georgia Kawhi, it's still a pretty thin team. They're getting, still have to give a lot of healthy minutes to Luke Kennard. A lot of guys coming off injuries. You know, what does Kawhi look like off an injury? Abaka's off an injury, et cetera, et cetera. So there doesn't seem to be this unstoppable force in the near term. The other team I would look at is teams that already have a crazy superstar um, who maybe they just get it together and they become a transformative force in the playoffs. So Luka with Dallas is a good example, right? Does Luka take the torch? Does he have a crazy playoff? Do other pieces emerge in Dallas? And then is Dallas that team, right? There's a lot of unknowns there. But in general, you seem to have a bevy of these teams that are all in the same mix, um, and it's going to be it's going to be a question of who actually emerges, which gets me to the Simmons situation, which kind of adds a bit more flavor to it. What do I mean? Well, now if you're you're another team, you could look at Simmons as a lifeline. So if you don't want to tank, you know we've talked about this. We've talked about Simmons a lot, but like. What teams make the most sense with Simmons? I was talking to Rosenblatt earlier. You know, we, we agree Toronto would be a great fit in a move around Siaka and Anobi. Um, and that could be a move that really, you know, they emerge. But, you know, t- Toronto might not do that deal. So, you know, what team out there is like a bad team that, could, that, could, that really has the pieces and can make an interesting move? And, and, and really it's Detroit. Because you don't have to sacrifice youth to get Simmons. Whereas a team like Minnesota would have to move Edwards. That, that's going to be a difficult play. Um, doesn't make sense. And really, may, most other teams would probably have to move. Um, you know, some, some, uh, some bigger piece. Okay, so then the bigger questions are... Like, what is that? You know, what are the pieces would you have to move, et cetera, et cetera. But Detroit Detroit comes with an interesting play here, right? So Detroit has, like, a, a, a great mix of young assets. 
that don't really make sense together anyway. So it's like, if you told me they have a nice core going, and again, some of the reasons why the OKC core was so good is because they realized ahead of time, which Detroit has not, Harden should be sixth man, Westbrook and Durant start, and then put like some veteran pieces around them. That's got the semblance of a nice looking lineup. Detroit right now, um, everyone just needs the ball. So if they're smart, they need a first, if they could get a grant for Simmons swap, you do it for the talent, and then you figure things out later. And then the questions become, okay, well, we have Simmons. we got to make Simmons and Cade work. For those two guys to work together, you don't want it to be, you know, sort of like pick your offense a little bit. Although it's an interesting dynamic, particularly defensively. You instead would prefer to have, you, you know, spacing and, and, and stuff around them. So then you got to look around the league, and you, you probably... You'd probably need to move Hayes if you're going to deal Simmons. I mean, if you're going to take on Simmons. So if Detroit was smart, they moved Hayes to a team like Boston, got Pritchard and, and Naismith. That's actually a fit that works. Hayes could have worked in Boston. Now, all of a sudden, you got a nice little picture going. Right? You could start um, Simmons, Cade, Bay. Maybe you get Danny Green in that deal. Maybe you get Naismith. You get Olenek. And now you have a nice little team going. Now, does it make the most sense? Not necessarily, but you're starting to build on something. But the bottom line is, like, it's going to be interesting to see ratings for the NBA. The NBA, I would say, is in a good spot in terms of parity. This is most parity you've ever seen. Is that good or bad for the NBA? Does the NBA do better for villains? I don't know. There's no rivalry. Sure. But bottom line is, if you're a treadmill right now, definitely, definitely go for it.